Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week is episode 279 and we're talking about Cologne and Bonn in Germany. That's right. We are continuing Indie Germany with our German rail passes from ACPRail.com. They have been great. The other day we were doing the first half of our journey and we looked up the price of what it should be and it was like 200 euros each and we're like, Wow, paying 45 (laughs) euros a day for these rail passes is really a good move. It was spectacular. Even the cheapest price we could find for second class tickets were about, I don't know, 120 euros. And since our ones are first class, we're really getting value for money. Actually, the other day we were on a train and we were in a little compartment uh, on an IC train. Now, most of the first class areas on the IC trains are open plan. But near the buffet car, there are two or three kind of business compartments with a desk, which is great for us because we like to work while we're traveling. And uh, yeah, we were there all by ourselves. Someone joined us. So there were four seats and there were three of us in there. I went out to go to the toilet and I walked through second class. It was packed. There were people sitting in the in the aisles and in the gaps between the, the carriages. And I, I realized how great it is to travel first class. Madness. Well, that's the thing with rail passes right through Europe is that if you're over 26 and you're looking to buy a rail pass, you must buy first class. Mm -hmm. So um, it's cheaper if you're under 26. In fact, being under 26 in Europe is when you save, 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 (laughs) save, 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 like... You just get discounts on everything. I think, um, I think in Europe, when you turn... Is it turn 26 or when you turn 27? It's when you turn 26, right? Yeah, I When you turn so. 26, you are an adult. There's no going back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 18, no, 21, no, but 26, no argument. Yeah. It's madness. Oh, we picked those up from acprail.com, and uh, you can find links to them on indietravelpodcast.com. But, uh, yeah, so we've continued to travel through Germany this week, and... Uh, now we're going to jump back a, a week or so in history and talk about our time in Cologne and Bonn. So, shall we first talk about Cologne, first talk about Bonn, or first talk about Hamburg? Well, let's talk about where <laughs> we are at the moment. We're in Hamburg at the moment, and we like it. We've been here for about three days. We arrived on Friday. Friday's our travel day at, at present, so that's working quite well. We travel somewhere on a Friday, couch surf for the weekend, and then stay in a hostel or a hotel for the rest of the week. And this has been a really good way to get to know the different cities on our route. Because in our last trip, IndyRail, we either couch surfed or stayed in a hostel or a hotel. And I really felt like we only saw one side of the city. If we were couch surfing, you know, we got really in-depth and got to see things that the couch surfers like to do. But we quite often missed all of the tourist attractions and we wanted to see some of them. And if we were staying in a hostel or a hotel, we did all the tourist attractions, but it was kind of like we were skating on the surface. So this time we've we've been able to do both and it's been great. So we spent the weekend with our couch surfer, couch surfing hosts Holger and Maya. Uh, they took us to the Reeperbahn on Saturday night, which was really fun. There was a Harley Davidson um, event going on over the weekend, so there were lots of bikers around. Uh, we had a beer and walked past all the sex shops. Yeah, it was interesting. And then yesterday we went for a boat trip on on the canals, one of those paddle boats, you know, where you. You, you paddle like you're pedaling a, a bike and uh, someone has the rudder and it moves around. It's cool. It was it was fun and luckily uh, this part of the uh, the River the Elbe is not flooded at all, unlike mm. further south. But uh, it seems like all of the floods are, are going away and, and dissipating 
and uh, although we had bad weather while we were in Bonn and Cologne, um, the floods had already passed there uh, a week ago when we left. Yeah. So um, Central Europe seems to be getting back to normal again. Yep. So let's talk about Bonn first, shall we? Because that was the first place we visited. Our plan for Indie Germany was to visit one city each week. And with Bonn and Cologne, we broke the rules because we had a friend who lived in Bonn. And, you know, Bonn's just right next door to Cologne. It's only half an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's enough people that commute between the two cities yeah. um, that some people consider Bonn to be like a, a subdivision of Cologne. It's quite funny because but, uh, Dusseldorf is about as far away yeah. in the north from Cologne as Bonn is to the south. But they would never, ever, 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 ever consider themselves part of Cologne. In fact, there's a huge rivalry between the two cities. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bonn and Cologne seem a bit, uh, a bit more friendly towards each other. Yeah, I, I think we would have got into a lot of trouble if we'd said, you know, we'll visit Dusseldorf and Cologne and it's more or less the same. There would have been a riot. But with Bonn and Cologne, it's, it's fine. It's fine. No problem. Yeah, I had a few people <laughs> say things to us like that and I'm like... What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we expected some sort of animosity like we'd found when we were in Dusseldorf last year. But no, no, it's fine. Yeah. I really liked Bonn. It, it reminded me, it made me think of Dusseldorf actually because it was a similar size and similar in density of actu- activities. Sometimes I find the big cities a bit overwhelming. And this one, well, it's, it's not small. I think it's, what, 500,000 people or something like that. But uh, it's not as crazily large as, say, Hamburg which is 1.7 million people. Yeah, I liked Bonn for the small bars and Mm. cafes and restaurants that we kept finding ourselves in as we tried to escape the rain. Um, (sighs) But we did go to, well, one of the things to do is just to sit by the river and relax and and take a beer out in the old fortification slash gardens or just along the riverbanks. But unfortunately for us, we had bad weather pretty much all the time we were there. There was a big thunderstorm one afternoon and lots of rain and rubbish like that. So we made the most of some uh, some Bonn welcome cards, which were the city cards. And they these gave us free access to some of the galleries and uh, discounted access to some of the other ones. So we ended up spending a lot of time inside yeah. in uh, various art galleries and museums. Like the welcome cards in Dusseldorf, these ones cost nine euros and they gave you access to public transport for 24 hours. And they also gave you entrance to several museums and, and galleries and things like that. So we went to a lot of places we wouldn't ordinarily have gone to just because we had the free access. Mm. Uh, something that we were definitely going to do was Beethoven's house. Beethoven was born in Bonn. That's its probably its main claim to fame as a city, I think. Well, apart from the fact it was the capital of Germany following oh, sure. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> what do people remember more? Being the capital of Germany for 50 years or, you know, Beethoven? I don't know. Fine. <laughs> well, we went to Beethoven's house and uh, it was really cool. The house itself was quite boring. But uh, downstairs in the basement there was a kind of a... A 21st century interpretation of of one of Beethoven's uh, masterpieces and what they did was they they had the music playing and, and people singing different parts but each part was represented by a 3d digital image that was projected onto a screen and you could interact with the images using different tools so one of the one of the characters had ropes and you could pull the ropes to move it forwards or backwards side to side Another one had like a joystick, another one had 
um, kind of a ball that you can move around. It was great. I really liked it. Yeah, what they did, I think, if I understood correctly, they took biometric readings off of the opera singers while they were performing um, their their breathing and things like that, and then digitized it each into the different models. So um, it wasn't just working with the the pitch and flow of the music, which is quite easy to do. You know, you feed it into the model and it, it does it. They were also taking the, the singer's biometrics. So, yeah, it was it was quite interesting and was really, to my mind, the only thing worthwhile doing. The, the house museum was dull at best and there was no real interaction with his music or his life. You were just wandering around an old house. Yeah, seeing looking things. At some stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, the was trumpets some... were cool, the air trumpets that he used, and the life and death masks were quite cool. Yeah, I, I was just unimpressed. At, I think it was 10 euros a head without the discount. No, um, it was only five. It wasn't that bad. Oh, was it? Yeah. Was it five euros? Yeah. But um, I would save your money for something else, unless you're a big fan. I don't know. I'd go because I really like that downstairs mm-hmm. opera thing. And if you are a I don't know, if you're in Bonn, I think you do need to go and see Beethoven's house. I suppose you can see it from the outside. But there's also a, um, a room with computers where you can, can play with the music as well. So if you have a bit of time, that's quite cool. We didn't have time to do it, unfortunately. The other things we did with our welcome cards, we visited a couple of smaller museums, um, a, an Egyptian museum in the university that was really small, a, a city museum, which was quite cool, but all the signs were only in German, so we didn't understand that much. And we also visited the Koenig Museum, which we thought was a zoo. So when we arrived out of the the U-Bahn station and it was pelting down with rain, we thought, okay, no, we're not going to go in there. So we went away and came back the next day to find that it was all inside and would have been the perfect place to go on a rainy afternoon. But you know, you win some, you lose some. (laughs) And it um, it was a zoological museum, so it had exhibits of different habitats around the world. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah, lots and lots of stuffed animals from the uh, the time when collecting stuffed animals was cool, <laughs> the uh, the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s, uh, and presented in really neat dioramas. And yeah, as well as information about the habitats and the animals, there were some uh, folk stories and myths and legends about them all. And I thought it was a, almost better than a zoo in terms yeah. of the the information that you got about the animals and the temporary exhibit I found really interesting it was all about DNA barcoding uh, yeah. and uh, how this is kind of it's a, a research museum rather than just a, a display museum and what they're doing is taking samples and creating these DNA barcodes and then storing the species well the samples that dead animal carcasses that they <laughs> they took the DNA sample so in the future they can be either verified or retested using more advanced methods and checked mm-hmm. kind of against the originals so yeah I found that really interesting the work they're doing on uh, biodiversity and uh, that kind of research yeah I think that was a really worthwhile stop another worthwhile stop was the Kunsthalle Art Gallery it really didn't have anything to do with Bonn. They were showing an Iroquois exhibition at the time. You know, it was it was interesting to visit. Yeah, well, my favourite gallery in Bonn was the uh, the German History Museum. Yeah. Um, and 
It was my favourite because of the quality of the audio guide, I think. Like, it was a very good audio guide. The exhibits were were well done and, and were important. The kind of museum things that they had were were interesting. But the audio guide was excellent. It kind of walked you through um, history from around the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it started at the end of World War Two, yeah, and then took you back in time to before World War Two and and the, you know, but it was definitely um, focusing on the post World War Two time. Yeah, that's right. It it dropped back and then yeah, a lot about the Cold War and the kind of sixties and peace movement and then through to the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, the space race, all that kind of stuff. And that really worked for the city because Bonn was the capital Mm -hmm. from the western capital of Germany after the fall of, uh, well, sorry, after World War II and before the fall of the Berlin Wall and the unification of Germany. And it it almost became the the capital of modern Germany instead of Berlin. It was like two votes off. Mm. There was a vote between which one should be the capital, Berlin or Bonn, and it was almost a tie. So I couldn't believe it when I heard that. It was amazing. Because you wouldn't think of it now. It's quite a, not a sleepy city, but it's it's quite small and petite and it's not overly busy. Mm. Yeah. It's just an ordinary medium-sized city. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and the best thing about this museum, I mean, it's a really, really great museum, but it's also completely free. So it's you could easily spend three hours there. We had about two, I think, and we were running through because it was about to close. And uh, yeah, free audio guides and everything. So that's really amazing. Yeah. Now in Bonn, we were staying with uh, Richard, who we met while teaching English in Austria years and years and years Six ago. Six or seven years ago. So it was really neat to catch up with him. He's been living there for several years. And uh, yeah, I ended up going out to an expat pub with him for uh, one of his friend's birthdays. And... Um, yeah, we went to a, a few different bars and cafes around the... He took us to a cafe, the... and we ordered coffees. He and I both got a milk cafe, and what came was an enormous bowl. It must have been about 1.5 litres worth of milk. I know every time I tell the story, it's getting more, but I'm not joking. It was at least a litre. I couldn't even... It was, it was a bucket. It was a small bucket. Yeah. It was enormous. If you've been to Thailand and had like a bucket of, <laughs> of, of rum and coke or something like that, imagine that full of caffeinated oh milk. Oh my goodness. I, I only drank half of it. I couldn't... But... It was while we were in Bonn that I discovered rhubarbashawla. <laughs> oh my goodness, rhubarbashawla is the best thing in the world. So, rhubarb, who knew you could make a juice out of it? But anyway, you can. And then you mix it with sparkling mineral water for a wonderfully refreshing drink. It's great. We met Richard at a bar, uh, what was it called? I always forget the name of it. it starts with P. Uh, the um, Pendle, Pendle on the yeah. first night. Yeah. We, we met Richard at Pendle on the first night. And the thing about... Bonn, Cologne, and, and uh, Dusseldorf is that they serve their beer in 200 mil glasses, so you don't get the huge kind of mugs of yeah, of kind beer. of Bavarian steins. It's quite good actually because you know I can drink 0.2, <laughs> I can drink 200 mils of beer. So I had one of those, and then I was looking through the menu and I decided to try this Rabarbashola thing. So delicious! I highly recommend it. Yep. Right. That was the end of that story. <laughs> Well, I had about three or four during that time. Actually, no, it wasn't then, was it? It was later because 
was just when we were about to leave, we met up with my friend Andreas, uh, who I met through learning Spanish, and who is now graciously helping me learn German. And uh, we had a drink with him, and that's where I had the first rhubarber shawl. Uh-huh. That, oh my goodness, so good. Well, we jumped on the train in the end along with Andreas, and Linda had a half-hour conversation in German, which Very was pretty basic good. German. Whereas I spoke to a guy from Libya who had some fresh license plates and was going to go and export a car from somewhere in northern Germany to Libya. Yeah. I was unsure why he needed the extra license plates, but... Um, I'm sure it was all legitimate and above board. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so we got to Cologne and we were staying at a place called Hostel Köln, which is near the uh, the Neumarkt, the the new market area of town. And it was really impressive. It was a really nice hostel. Yeah, it was surprising because it wasn't a hostel in the sense we usually think of it, in that there are dorm rooms and you can rent a bed. All of the rooms are... Well, you can rented get as rooms. Rented as rooms, that's right. So lots of school groups come and they rent out the six bedrooms and each room has a has an ensuite bathroom. So it's all kind of contained. We met up with the, the owner and manager and he was telling us about how a lot of business people also use the hostel because it's really, it's kind of a four-star hostel. All of the rooms are really nicely laid out and decorated and the breakfast is really good as well. Yeah, they had the, the best breakfast out of all of the uh, the hostels that we've stayed at over the last month. Was it was fantastic. So yeah, if you go to Hostel Köln, as a single person, it's not going to be that cheap um, because you rent out a, a single room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still cheaper than a hotel, especially in a conference city yeah. uh, like Kelowna's. Um, but for couples or groups of friends traveling together, you can get a, a double or a four-person or a six-person bedroom. Yeah. But yeah, you're always renting the room, not the beds. I really um, liked the layout was, in our room. We had a, a double bed, which could also be pulled apart. In Europe, we found this really weird when we first came here. Most double beds are actually either two single beds pushed together or uh, a double frame with two mattresses in it. And you always get two individual duvets so each person has their own duvet and their own pillow and everything so that's quite weird so we had one of those two single beds pushed together but you know pushed together really well so they didn't actually come apart and then uh, a set of bunks so it could be just a double room or it could be uh, a four bedroom which was I think a really clever clever layout and the manager was telling us that they designed the outfitting themselves so they they worked out exactly how much space they needed on the wall for the for the bunks, and then they built the bathroom around that. So some of the bathrooms are a bit bigger, some are a bit smaller, just so long as the, the bunks fit into the wall perfectly. So it was a great place to be in town. I mean, you if you come out at the, the Hauptbahnhof, the, the main train station, you're right by the massive Gothic cathedral, uh, the largest Gothic cathedral in the world, and it's big and impressive from the outside and on the inside as well with lots of little nooks and crannies and uh, amazing stained glass window including one that looks like someone just took a random screenshot of a bunch of pixels and then threw it up on the uh, on the wall. That's actually what they did. Yeah? Yeah, that's what the guide was saying. <laughs> the, um, the artist who designed this wasn't religious at all and he did, he used a computer to create a pixelated look 
and the, uh, a lot of religious people weren't super happy about that. Yeah, I bet the archbishop wasn't uh, <laughs> wasn't too keen. But anyway, you you exit there, and and there's this amazing thing, and then there's a a bridge with all of these padlocks on it. Um, you know, the kind of yeah. lovers' padlocks, and then um, the the walkway down along the river, the um, Roman history museum with all the antiques and everything. But then, you know, there's kind of nothing else there. You've got this amazing uh, historical businessy centre, but that's not where the the life of the city is. It's not where the nightlife is. It's where the you know you you go there and you look at the stuff and you go ooh and and take photos and maybe do a walking tour or go to some of the galleries. But the life of the city is is down river and to the south, and so staying in Newmarket, staying a bit away from the train station and this historical old city was perfect because we were right between that on one side, about a 20 minute walk to the cathedral, and walking 20 minutes in the other direction took us right through the kind of alternative arty studenty zone out towards... The building court, um, Yeah, and then out towards the park, which we could then follow down to the river, and then there's more restaurants and cafes down along the river. So you were in the middle of everything, and a 20-minute walk in any direction would take you through an interesting neighbourhood. Yeah, I think Cologne is a very walkable city. Mm. A really large percentage of the central city is pedestrianised. In fact, I think from our hostel, we had to cross two roads, and apart from that, we were in pedestrian area, all the way to um, to the main, well, to the main station. Yeah. There's lots of shops and, and bars and restaurants. How many bars, did, was it 32, that have their own breweries? The thing about Cologne is that they make this beer called um, Kolsch, and that is the Cologne beer. But it's not just one brewery that makes it. There's 32 or 36. No, I think it's 23. I think you're swapping your numbers around. Okay, maybe it's 23. But there are lots of little bars that make this beer, and it's different in every place. You buy it in those little 200ml glasses, you sit, you have one, and if you're not careful, a waiter will come around and give you another one. Just like in, in Dusseldorf, we found last when we were there and with the alt beers. But uh, yeah, you have to kind of, you have to put your coaster on top of your glass if you don't want them to, to give you another one. Yeah, it, it's a neat system. If, if your glass is empty, they expect that you want a full one. Yeah. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, some of the bar food was interesting. They had the Kolsch caviar, yeah. which was a blood sausage. Yeah. <laughs> and a Kolsch, bun. Kolsch caviar, yeah. If you order that and you're expecting uh, little fish. little fish eggs, no. you're out of luck. You're going to get a, a blood sausage with uh, a, a white bread roll and uh, some butter and what else onions. did we have some with onions. it? Some onions. That's yeah. right. That was the other ingredient in Kolsch caviar. And the other one was halbahan, which literally translates to half a chicken. If you order it and you expect half a chicken, you will not get half a chicken. It's a, a Dutch cheese. <laughs> you have a big <laughs> chunk of cheese and some another roll. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the bar food there is as interesting as the beer, especially yeah. in terms of their naming conventions. Oh, and it's quite funny because one of the traditions is that the uh, the bartenders are going to hassle you. You know, mm. they're quite, was it irreverent? <laughs> and uh, I ordered an Apfelschorle, you know, I, apple juice with sparkling water because I'd already had several beers that day and uh, yeah I was roundly abused <laughs> the waiter came over and said uh, two Kolsch yes and 
uh, he said, too cold. Yes. And then started to walk away. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ordered an apple. She's like, apple shawler. Oh, the disgusted look on his face. And I, you know, I deserved it. It was fine. <laughs> you did deserve it. <laughs> Aren't you sweet? Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't sit down in a microbrewery and, and order apple juice. No. <laughs> I've already had some. <laughs> Well, um, the Columba Museum there was great. Well, more an art gallery than a museum, although it incorporates the ruins of a monastery. And it's a religious art museum. And it was just fantastic. I was quite surprised. We had met with the tourism board, uh, Claudia from the tourism board, and she had recommended this museum. Of all the museums we could visit in Cologne, this was the one we had to go to. We've seen a lot of religious art in the various art galleries we've been to. And... You know, it's very interesting and some of it's very old, but it does start to get a little bit repetitive. This art gallery was quite different. It's the um, the Gallery of the Archdiocese of Cologne. And instead of just displaying lots of old paintings and altarpieces, each room is a mix of different styles. So you might have some really modern art with an old altarpiece behind it. And it was spectacular. And yes, wandering around the, the ruins of the old church, which incorporated a, a Roman house from the 12th century, along with an altar that was supposedly for St. Columba. It was incredible. Mm. No, was it the 12th century or was it earlier? It must have been earlier because it was Roman. It must have been, well, anyway, very I old. Know. I don't know. Um, uh, we also went to the Chocolate Museum, which had some very old things, um, but <laughs> things that had been taken from South America, Mayan <laughs> and, and Incan artifacts. And... Uh, I didn't know this, but Germans are one of the biggest importers of raw chocolate in the world and one of the biggest chocolate producers. Uh, milk chocolate was first developed in um, in Cologne, if you'll believe them. <laughs> and, um, yeah, not by the Swiss. No, no, it was made here, we were told. Um, and I'm sure that's a <laughs> conversation that will be going on for years. And, uh, yeah, they've got this great chocolate museum which talks about um, chocolate as a religious item in South America and then how it was brought to Europe and then commercialised and uh, and further exploited into the, the chocolate that we know today. Yeah, downstairs there was an exhibition about how chocolate is made and a bit of the history and then upstairs was more of a museum style mm. exhibition. I enjoyed upstairs more than downstairs, even so, though downstairs we got to have a bit of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got uh, a massive chocolate fountain and although they don't process cocoa there, I someone told me that they import it from the factory and then reliquify it so you can see how it's molded and um, you know, they've got like a little boutique manufacturing thing going on yeah and you can design your own chocolate it's quite cool it costs i think 450 for a for a small block but you choose the ingredients that will go in so if you want nuts or gummy bears or whatever to Mm. put into your own block and you you go away or you can watch it being made come back half an hour later and it's ready for you to pick up yeah we didn't try that but we did try uh making something else which was cologne I guess when, you, <laughs> when I think of cologne, I might think of the place, but I might also think of the, the perfume slash aftershave. I might think of cologne. one or the other, but I've never thought of the two together, which is silly. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes your brain just doesn't make those connections, you know. Yeah. Of course, cologne comes from cologne. 
and uh, we went to one of the original producers of Cologne for 7-Eleven. They do a perfume making workshop and we did it and it was awesome. Yeah, it was good fun. I was I felt quite outnumbered because it was me and about 20 women and there were a few people in their 20s and 30s but the majority of people were kind of 50 plus and I was the only guy apart no, no, from a one other guy. teenage boy whose mum had dragged him <laughs> along I think. And the photographer. Ah yeah, but they arrived late so yeah. when I first walked in there was just this I think every woman in the uh, the place was going, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good. Uh, we had a little seminar to learn about the different smells and also about the, the flavours or the, the scents that make up the uh, 4-7-Eleven fragrance. And then we got to mix our own. And yeah, we both made perfumes that we're happy with. So we, we got to walk away with a small bottle of scent. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's um, from memory, I think it was 30 or 35 euros um, for the seminar. But you walk away, yeah, with your own perfume, which is a great souvenir. And yeah, it was kind of a two and a half hour kind yeah. of thing to do. So in terms of experience and value for money, it was cool i think it would be a really really great i think it would be really great for a hen party because Mm. if you have 10 or more people you can have a private tutorial and it only costs i think 23 per person which is quite reasonable really Mm. especially wouldn't it be great having a hen party and you make your own perfume and then you wear that at the wedding yeah yeah that's quite nice that's a cool idea that's a cool idea um what else can we say well we mentioned the belgian quarter but didn't really talk about it this is the i guess creative quarter of town mm-hmm. and I found it really interesting because in order to get there for Newmarket you walk through this little bit of high-end designer fashion mm. like there were 250 to 750 euro shirts for sale in the windows I'm, I'm walking through going hmm <laughs> interesting <laughs> um, and, and then, then you hit a second-hand you, store you go past that block and all of a sudden you're in these yeah kind of vintage stores and shisha bars and um, like there was a store that sold balloons and had this entire Hello Kitty balloon <laughs> display right. and um, then little bars and funky cafes and, and cocktail clubs and uh, more kind of art and design student fashion stores rather than these kind of big names it was yeah really really funky and cool but you had to walk i, I was walking through going is this whole neighborhood like 750 dollar shirts because if <laughs> so i don't think i can even afford a coffee and uh but no you you break through that layer <laughs> you get to the other side and it's it's all a lot better and that seems to be where most of the the foreign food is too we saw like sushi bars and tapas bars and some fantastic smelling Indian restaurants. Indian, Thai, and Vietnamese. Yeah. We ended up having kind of traditional German food for dinner, but you know. <laughs> in fact, we, we had a beer in a, a bar, one of those 200 mil ones. Then we went for a wander to see if we could find anywhere nice to eat dinner because it was Craig's birthday. And we ended up just coming back to the first bar we'd been sitting at because mm. the food that the people beside us were eating looked so good. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about about Cologne before you uh, I guess the main thing to mention would probably be the walking tour oh, because yeah. there was a lot of stuff that we did that we just haven't talked about um, yeah that's a good point I wanted to say that we got welcome cards but we didn't find them that useful 
but a walking tour is definitely worth doing. Yeah, we started at the tourism office, which is right beside the cathedral. So, of course, that was a logical place to begin. Mm-hmm. And as we walked around, we learned all about the the Roman history of the town. And there's some remnants right in the middle of the city there from the Roman time. The city was founded by Nero's mother. Yeah. So crazy Nero, who's rumored to have fiddled while Rome burned, his mum started the place, and <laughs> she was just as bloodthirsty and crazy <laughs> as he was. There's an arch that dates from her time, but everything else has been destroyed, unfortunately. Mm. Well, no, on the uh, Cathedral Square, you can go into the... In fact, you just oh, need yeah. to go to the Roman Museum. You don't need to go into it. And you can look down on this huge and beautiful mosaic that's there. And yeah. that was really lovely. That's true. And from the archway, kind of in front of the cathedral, if you're coming out of the cathedral and look left, there's a long road, and that road dates from Roman times. Mm. And that's become like the main shopping thoroughfare almost. That's right. Um, There's a frubar there with a a fountain which has a traditional story about the town of the um, little elves that would come in and finish people's work overnight until one woman wanted to try capturing them so she laid a trap and they uh, as they came into the house or left the house they fell down the stairs and so she saw them and then the little elves disappeared and all the the lazy people of Cologne had to actually do their own work instead of uh, relying on these uh, mystic helpers disaster but um, no the walking tour was great because we learned all of these little tidbits all of these little stories here and there we learned why you're not allowed to walk over the square behind the cathedral (laughs) and it's because the opera house is actually under the square and if you walk over the top it's a concert oh the concert hall sorry Mm -hmm. if you walk over the top the kind of the echoes of you walking or people skateboarding or whatever echo down into the hall and disrupt the the performances and the rehearsals it's a wonder of poor architecture there's this wonderful square with security guards standing around the outside to stop you walking on it. They must, you must be allowed to use it sometimes, but yeah, because there's, otherwise there's you'd no think you just build on. something or a fence or I don't know. <laughs> but at the moment, well, when we were there, both yeah. days, all three days, there were security guards. Yeah, whenever we tried it. to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we, we had pointed out to us some neat statues, um, the the clock that poked its tongue out uh-huh. from the uh, the the town hall towards the merchant's guild and then on the merchant's guild there was a statue of a guy pulling his pants down and mooning the uh mooning the in the opposite direction towards the town hall and you know all these little bits and pieces it's funny because cologne feels so proper and nice and and well organized and then there's this undercurrent of kind of snarkiness (laughs) (laughs) which is reflected in uh in, in the weight service. <laughs> in the weight service. But also in uh, in carnival times. Mm. They have a, they, they call it the fifth season, the silly season. And the whole city goes mad and gets drunk and everyone gets dressed up and they mm. spend several days in costume. Yeah, it would be a good time to be in those Rhine cities. I know that Cologne, Bonn and Dusseldorf all have the festivals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll be Madness. mad. Mad, mad. Okay, we really well, do need to go, I yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> gosh, look at the time. And this, uh, this strawberry plant beside me has been distracting me all morning. Uh, we're in uh, the Hostel Superbood here in uh, Hamburg at the moment. 
and they have a communal um, strawberry plant I think in all of the rooms and you have to water the strawberry plant um, when you're a guest in the room and then one day someone will be able to eat the strawberries yeah and so there's a little notebook saying if you watered it or not each day it's just sitting on over my shoulder and distracting me so <laughs> what's saying water me water me yeah, go on water yeah. it craig go on do it now uh, should i do it now yep okay that is the sound of the watering can it's yellow great you need to write it down now. There we go. I'll, I'll do that after we hit stop. So do you want to <laughs> take us out and then I'll make a note that I watered it? All right. Well, don't forget that if you want to meet other travellers or if you have questions about what we talked about today or anything at all to do with travel, visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums. Get your free community account and join in the conversation. Julie watered the plant last week. So did Frank. <laughs> you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels and slash insurance when booking your travel online. Look, last month Renee did it. He was the first person in the book. So I think that's going to be us for this week. Until next week, travel well.